Our Bible reading this morning uh, comes from John chapter 19, uh, verses 14. We're diving back to verses 14 and taking it through to uh, verse 37. So just to recap a little bit as to where we're at in John's account, it's fair to say that uh, we're at the pointy end of his gospel. I'm hoping I don't knock off that off the podium. There we go. Um, so the events at the we've been looking at recently, um, at around midnight, uh, Jesus has been arrested and interrogated by the religious leaders. Um, at dawn, he was handed over to Pontius Pilate, and around midday, he was sentenced to be executed. John 19 and picking it up at verse 14. It was the preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened it to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares one for each of them. With the undergarment remaining, this garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. 
Now it was the day of the preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the, Jew, the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the cross. During the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus, they found and found that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies that you may also believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Thanks, Russell. All right. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all. Uh, it's, it's actually very exciting because some of you I uh, saw wandering in, I haven't seen for over a year. Uh, so it's, uh, and some of you I haven't seen for a number of years. So it's terrific to welcome back uh, friends from the past and to see some of our local regulars uh, kind of coming back. Um, Easter is the best weekend of the year. Uh, it is the best weekend of the year, even better than Christmas. Uh, I know you get more presents at Christmas time, but Easter is the time when we get to reflect on the most important things that ever took place in the history of our world, the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Uh, and that's what we're going to look at today. Um, but I want to start off um, by showing you a short video, just to get you thinking. And what you've got to do when I show you this video, see if you can spot the mistake that the lady makes. Right? It's only very short, so you have to keep, pay attention. Here it is. You watching? She hasn't done anything yet. Oh, here we go. Oh, man. Now, no one's ever done that, have they? Did you see what happened? So she thought it was a bag of coffee beans, but it was actually a bag of dog food, right? She put it in, ground it up, and then and that would have been a really disgusting uh, cup of coffee. Now, kids, don't get any ideas for your parents. Um, but the idea is she should have gone to Specsavers, right? Because uh, Specsavers, you put the glass... Some people need glasses to be able to make sense of certain situations. Um, now, kids, did you see the glasses you've got this morning in your packs? Each of the kids... Put them on, kids. Look how cool they look, hey? Um, and they're not just a great fashion accessory. In the back of the kids, the kids have got booklets in their pack. And it just shows us some of the pictures in that book. See those? Those pictures look really blurry and fuzzy to most of you. But with these glasses on, whoa, <laughs> pop out of the page. There's Buzz. And you might even be able to recognise some of the people in those pictures. They look a little bit like me, actually, some of them. Um, <laughs> But it's all much clearer with your 3D glasses on. So those pictures are up the back of the books if you want to have a look. Um, but uh, you might even wait till you get home. 
Now, we need something like these. Uh, we need something like these glasses to properly understand the death of Jesus. Because when, when you hear what Russell read out, which is, which is John, right? John was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He wrote a biography of Jesus' life uh, within only decades of Jesus dying. Uh, and he, he recounts what happens at the death of Jesus. And it just sounds like a tragedy. Um, there you have this beautiful man who did such good and who was then falsely accused and they yelled at him, they slapped him, they made him bleed by flogging him uh, and then they, they uh, falsely accused him of being worthy of death and they crucified him and crowds gathered round at the scene to watch and to laugh and to mock as his naked, bleeding body drained away and they saw him breathe his last and then die. And you think, how is there anything good about that? It just seems like a complete tragedy uh, in the course of human history. And yet, Christians around the world today call this Good Friday, have you ever wondered about that? Why do we call it good? Um, why do Christians have crosses on our buns and, and, and it's kind of a, a festive thing? Why do we have a cross in our church logo or some Christians wear a cross around their necks? Um, what is it about the death of Jesus that takes it from being a tragedy to actually being something we celebrate and rejoice in? Now, you need special glasses to be able to understand and to see it, to recognise it as good. And the Old Testament part of the Bible is like the pair of glasses we need. Right? We need to see the death of Jesus through Old Testament glasses. And, and John, Jesus' friend, as he writes his biography of Jesus, uh, he keeps pointing our attention to the Old Testament. Have a look at some of the verses. John 19, this happened so that Scripture might be fulfilled. John, again, script, uh, so that Scripture would be fulfilled. These things happened so that the Scripture would be fulfilled. John's been doing this all the way through his biography of Jesus, but now, especially as Jesus dies on the cross, he wants us to look back to the Old Testament part of the Bible. So this is a this is a Christian Bible here, and the first two-thirds of it are what we call the Old Testament. And that was all written hundreds of years before Jesus uh, came to earth. Just, just a second. Um, so the Old Testament part of the Bible was all written and completed hundreds of years before Jesus came. And what John is saying is that if we want to see clearly what is taking place as Jesus dies on the cross, then we need to understand the ancient promises and prophecies of the Old Testament, and that will make everything so much clearer. I want to pick up three key ideas from the Old Testament, uh, and the first one is God's promised forever king. See, in the Old Testament, God's people, the Jewish nation, had neighbouring, so they were a small, kind of insignificant nation most of the time. 
And they were surrounded by big, large superpowers like the Egyptians and the Babylonians and the Assyrians. And in the time of Jesus, it was the Romans. Uh, And often these other nations and their kings were cruel, oppressive, ruthless, powerful, and they made life miserable for for the Jewish people. And so the Jews longed for a leader who could protect them from their enemies, to keep them safe, to stop them feeling so vulnerable, to make them united and free, not slaves to anyone. But the problem is, as as leaders rose up from within the Jewish people, so often those leaders were part of the problem. So often those leaders were corrupt, self-serving, unjust, and they left the people feeling vulnerable, bullied, and abused. Now, is there anything familiar sounding about that? Uh, Because that's the world we live in as well, isn't it? Um, If we're honest, we know we need leaders. Uh, We know we need someone to kind of be looking out for our interests and the interests of our community, uh, to make our life for us and our family and our communities go well. We, We want leaders, but we want leaders that we can trust. We want leaders that are not just concerned about their own interests. We want leaders who are going to be concerned about us and our well-being. Uh, and some, every now and then a leader like that will come along, but they only last a short time, don't they? And then either they too become corrupt or, they, or something else happens. Sometimes they die or they get kicked out of parliament, whatever it is. But so often our leaders disappoint us with their greed corruption, abusive behaviour, and just how short uh, their time in leadership is. God promised he would send a forever king. And let me just show you one of those passages that talks about this. This is Isaiah chapter 9. So this was 700 years before Jesus. God promised this. God said, "For us, to, to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty would accomplish this. So the king of the Jews would be the king of the world, and his his reign would last forever. Uh, And they called him the Messiah or the Christ. The Messiah was a Jewish label. The Christ was a Greek label. But this is the coming Jewish king. Now, Jesus and his followers claimed that he was that king, that the long-awaited Jewish king, the Messiah, had arrived. And when Jesus died, there was a sign hanging above his head, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. But 
it was really hard for anyone to take that seriously because there was a sign, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, and below the sign was this man whose hands were nailed to a cross, whose feet were nailed to the cross. Blood was dripping down. There was a crown on his head, but it was a crown of thorns in mockery, and it pierced his skull. Uh, And here was a man who was beaten, mocked mercilessly, uh, treated so appallingly, and in such a shame, and heaving to catch his breath as his life ebbed away. Um, who Who could take seriously that title, the king of the Jews, the king of the world, as the the crowd watched his life ebb away. Could this dying man really be God's forever king? Now, just to give you a hint, the answer is yes, but you need more of the picture to be able to draw that conclusion. Here's a second idea from the Old Testament, and that is God provided a Passover lamb. Now, this goes back to 1,500 years before Jesus, to the time when the Jewish nations were slaves in Egypt. Um, Pharaoh was the ruler of Egypt at the time, and he was ruthless. He he represented the worst of the enemies of the the Jewish people. Uh, He treated them as slaves. uh, And as the Jewish people grew in population, he started killing off their children systematically. And so God sent Moses to rescue his people. Moses stood before Pharaoh and Moses said, I'm from God and I say to you, on behalf of God, let my people go. But Pharaoh was stubborn. And so God sent a plague, um, a pandemic on the nation of Israel, uh, on the nation of Egypt. Um, And there it is. And Pharaoh remained stubborn. He was a stubborn, proud man, uh, and he refused to let the Jewish people go. And so God sent another plague. Still Pharaoh refused, and another plague, and another plague. Nine plagues in total, but Pharaoh remained adamant. I will not let them go. And finally God announced he would send a final plague his destroying angel. Uh, And this angel of death would visit every house in Egypt on one night. Uh, And every house would see one of the members of that household die, the firstborn son, the heir. Um, But God told the Jewish people to take a lamb And what they were to do was that they were to kill the lamb and the lamb acted like a substitute. Instead of death coming to that house in in terms of a person dying, a lamb would die instead. And God said, take the blood from the lamb and paint the door frames of your house um, and then cook the lamb. But God was very specific. God said, do not break any of the bones of the lamb. Cook the lamb whole. And on that night, as the destroying angel swept through Egypt and brought death to every house, 
the destroying angel passed over the houses of the Israelite people. And so whilst the Egyptians were in grief and mourning, the, people, the Jewish people were spared because the angel of death passed over those houses because of the Passover lamb who had been slain. Death had already come in the form of the Passover lamb to those houses. And so the Jews on that night were saved from death. They escaped from Egypt. And every year from that time on, they would celebrate the Passover. Every year for 1,500 years, they would take their best young lamb and they would kill it, cook it whole without breaking the bones, They would eat the lamb, they would eat bread and wine, and as they ate the meal, they would remember Egypt. They would remember God's great salvation, the way he rescued them, the way he brought them to freedom. Now, John, Jesus' friend, as he writes his biography of Jesus, he keeps mentioning the Passover Again and again. In fact, I looked it up this week. John mentions the Passover lamb more than any other writer in the Bible, more than any other book in the Bible. There's something he wants us to take notice of. So even at the time when Jesus is dying, it is Passover time. And so um, come on to the next slide there. The Jewish leaders took, took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So the Jewish leaders, this is time of the Passover, and the Jewish leaders don't want to become ceremonially unclean by going into a Roman household on that night. Um, or as Pilate announces the sentence of Jesus, we hear this comment. So go go back to that. It was the day of the preparation of the Passover. It was about noon, and here is your king, Pilate said. Jesus died around the same time the Passover lambs were being killed, and the Jewish leaders were eager to be able to go home and eat their Passover lambs with their families. So they asked Pilate, um, next slide, they asked Pilate to have Jesus' legs broken and the bodies taken down. And the reason they would break the legs of those being crucified, it's it's a brutal death, crucifixion. But one of the ways that it went on and on was because the, the person who was suffering as they kind of, as their arms dislocated and they started suffocating, They would kind of lift up from their legs to give relief to their lungs. And so it could just go on in this gasping manner for hours and and even days. Uh, And so the Jewish leaders say, we we want this to be done because we want to be be able to go home and celebrate our Passover, so break his legs. Uh, But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they didn't break his legs. And just to prove he was dead, they put a spear through his side and blood and water flowed out. He really was dead. And then John comments, These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. 
Not one of his bones will be broken. Can you see what John is doing? John wants us to recognise Jesus as the fulfilment of the Passover lamb. In some way, Jesus died in our place. He died to save us from God's judgment and to bring us to freedom, just like the Passover lamb way back in Egypt. Which brings us on to the third idea, where these things all come together. Um, and that is, God's king would suffer and die for us. Right? Now, this is, this is kind of a mystery, and it's only, it's only once Jesus died and rose again that his followers started to realise that was what God had promised all along. So as the Old Testament continues, it becomes clear that even though God's people have enemies like Egypt and Rome and Babylon, the real problem, the real enemy was within, in the hearts of the people. The real problem was sin. Uh, the way the people of Israel, but we too, are so self-centred. The way they were corrupt in the heart, the way they chose their own way instead of God's way. And if we're honest, we would realise that sin is our biggest problem as well. Um, we have this instinct about what is right and wrong. And we're good at spotting faults in other people, aren't we? I think we become experts at that very early on in life. But we have this problem of self-centeredness. We have these inner desires that are so often not good, and yet we keep giving in to them, and we ignore the God who made us. Now, could a lamb, could a lamb sacrificed in our place really take away my sin? Could a lamb sacrificed cleanse my heart? And the answer is no. Not, not just any lamb. God's solution was that he would send his son, his king, to suffer and die for the sins of the world. Jesus would be the Passover lamb. So 700 years before Jesus, God spoke of his king and listen to these words. You've just got to remember these are 700 years before Jesus walked our planet. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led 
like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Who would ever have imagined it? Who would ever make this up? Uh, God's promised forever king and the sacrifice who dies in our place like a lamb to the slaughter, to rightly understand the death of Jesus, to see Jesus, with, to see Jesus' death with clarity, we've got to bring those two ideas together. Now watch this, everyone. Right? Got to bring them together. Just do it one more time. Go back out. Okay. Got to bring those two ideas together. Uh, and then you see with clarity what's going on. Jesus, God's forever king, came and suffered and died as a Passover lamb, a sacrifice in our place for our sin to bring us cleansing of sin, forgiveness, to save us from God's judgment and to bring us into the freedom of being the children of God. And this is what Jesus' followers came to realise. So have a look at some of these quotes from the New Testament. John the Baptist on seeing Jesus says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Or Paul says, Christ. Remember, Christ is God's forever king. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Peter says, You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. Or John, who wrote the biography of Jesus, also wrote the last book of the Bible. He said, See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. So the very one who is the great king is the Passover lamb, Jesus who'd suffered and died in our place. So what does all this mean for you? Now, it might well be that you've been invited here today by family and friends. And this is a lot to get your head around. What I want to say is, if this is true, then you want to find out about it. If this is true... Jesus wants you to trust his death in your place. You don't need to earn it. Simply trust his death in your place. Trust his death in your place and worship him as your forever king, as God's forever king. And so if you're kind of still trying to work these things out, why don't you at least commit today, I'm going to find out more. And this is where this life series um, Thomas mentioned earlier, right? it starts in a few weeks' time. That would be a great opportunity for you to think about Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and what it has to do with your life. Right? Come and explore the history, the history behind it, the Old Testament background. Come and wrestle with it with us so that you can make a decision about who is Jesus. Is he God's king who suffered and died in your place? We'd love you to come and join us.